0: You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. And it is one of those rare, wonderful times where the call to arms has been sounded. The Real Men Feel horn has been, has been uh, horned. I don't have it near me. Um, if you've heard me use it, you're probably glad I don't have it near me. But um, today we have, the, uh, we have the first panel of men since, I believe, January, when we got together to talk about the Gillette The Best Men Can Be campaign. And today, what calls us together is an interview Pharrell did in GQ magazine about new masculinity. So we're going to gather, talk about that. And with me this evening, we have Al Fleming. Try and look at who's here. (laughs) Matt Basco. And I'm assuming everyone's, yeah, whatever. If you're watching, it's going left to right from what you're seeing. (laughs) Anthony Simeone, Boyson Hodgson. And I'm going to unmute Everybody. You're all unmuted. Say hello. 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 Hey. <laughs> all right. Cool. So, um, I want to start with Al. Al, you read this article, brought it to to my attention. You shared it in the Real Men Field group. So, my first question is, what about the article captured you, and why did you share it?
1: So, to be honest, when I first posted the question, I didn't read the article. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that honesty. Man what um, captured my attention was it said the new masculinity issue and um, of course the picture I saw was the cover picture uh, a photograph of Pharrell in that sleeping bag gown or whatever that is Um, I mean it's kind of cool but I don't it's not my thing but long story short I thought new masculinity I mean so what's so new about it right you know and what are they going to say that isn't possibly already happening, you know, in the world already? I feel like this magazine, or at least this article, I was my impression was that it was going to be more of like an echo of what's already going on, as opposed to like being in the forefront to get something started. Um, I believe I was sort of right about that, but I did find some interesting insights in Pharrell's article, but I found more interesting insights in the rest of the article. Oh,
0: cool. So, um, let's, let's stick to the Pharrell interview at first. Cause that's what I, I know everybody's read that. And as I was telling Al before we got on the show, I went looking for GQ magazine. I, I couldn't find a copy. I don't know where the heck magazines are sold anymore these days, but they're not in my old stomping grounds anymore, which is like porn shops. So maybe that's why, but.
2: <laughs> that's a different conversation andy
0: <laughs> and, uh, that's another that's another show yeah and and boys and i know you you had an active uh Twitter feed going on on the i assume on the interview, but what what was that about there
2: yeah the so it came to my attention through remaking manhood, Mark Green posted something about it in response to to somebody else's, and I did a string of tweets on on kind of undefining masculinity which is you know the new masculinity thing i wrote the new macho in 2010 the poem that has been republished based on articles from newsweek in 2009 and that was there was a new macho issue of newsweek magazine where they did like this whole kind of expose and who's the new macho and what does that look like and all of these things and the conversation just kind of gets recycled every once in a while it pops up and then the trolls beat it back down and then it pops up again. Um, But every time it gets a little bit, uh, it's a little more evolved. I think, I think some of the, some of the things that even, even I was like, wow, that's brave. That takes taking a risk back then. Like we're way beyond that now. It's, it's, uh, it, we've evolved, you know, the culture has evolved a lot just in the last 10 years
0: so you've on twitter you finding mostly positive reactions to that that article and that this whole subject or or not
2: in the bubble that i'm in yeah it's mostly positive um and why didn't he go further is kind of the question that that i hear you know it's like let's push it even further let's push the conversation even more let's talk about the story let's really talk about cultural deconstruction um but yeah, then there then there are those those other feeds out there, MRA feeds.
0: And uh, Matt, you, so you're you're coming to us from Toronto, yeah. Uh, is is the reaction in Canada vastly different?
3: Uh, you know, like, probably not. Like you know, um, especially like in Toronto and like bigger, it's a bigger city, right? So people are more free and open, kind of to be who they are, how they are. And, um, nobody really bothers or thinks twice about it um so like yeah, like like it's not like out of the ordinary kind of deal, like you know, like dudes wearing a dress or so on and so forth, but for somebody in um like Pharrell's shoes, designers shoes, for se uh <laughs> to like to like you know like really like pull it all out and like kind of like how he got to where he is now in his, in his feeling about um, the masculinity and what it represents and the humility involved in his growth and becoming this person that he's always, you know, kind of been, but kind of like tiptoed around the fringes. And like, now he's like fully engulfed in it. So it's like, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of like a different kind of scenario going on there.
0: Cool. And Anthony, did, did anything stand out to you on your, your read of this article?
4: No, I think uh, Pharrell seems to approach things with a lot of spirituality. I think that was part of it. And I think it doesn't have to be, you know, necessarily God or traditional Christianity or any other kind of organized religion. I think it's, you know, you just approach it with life with just some sort of kind of awe and transcendence and open-mindedness can be its own spirituality. I mean, I think it's, you know, so it struck me, he seemed like a very kind of humble person, but very kind of open to just possibility and i think that that's just just being open to the wonder and having like a wonder and an openness about what it means to be human not just a man but you know i think the new masculinity is just to be a human i think mm-hmm. i I've, I've been beating that drum for a while like i'm looking for a common ground like i call it our highest common denominator is our humanity and i think that you know busting through and dropping these labels and just saying you know just being who you are as a human being, as a engendered male. I mean, it's, so I kind of clicked on that, kind of tapping into like the spirituality of, you know, gender and and how you are as a human being and, and a man, and you know, and I I found it really inspiring in that way. Now, mm-hmm. granted it's from GQ, it's in GQ Magazine, and he's wearing, you know, they have the price tag of all the things he's wearing, like $1,000 sweater or something, yeah. you know, and I'm just like, that's where my skepticism kind of comes in as far as, and same thing with like the, 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 um, the Gillette thing, you know, when that was happening, it was like, okay, woke friends, my, uh, you know, yeah. so I, it comes with that skepticism, but I think he's, he adds the the genuineness to it, but it's still, it's GQ and they're peddling expensive men's wear. So I don't know. Yeah. So it's,
0: well, and it could be between the subject of an interview versus the corporate magazine structure. You know, we can separate those.
4: Exactly. Working within the system to, yeah. you know, defeat the system. Right. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. One thing I really, that stood out for me, his comment on on humility being something you could learn and recognizing he wasn't always that way. And, and the the sense of evolving. Um, right. And the, I think the old standard of masculinity was just this solid strict box and yeah, perhaps the newness of it yeah. is just pushing that wider, you know, making a bigger box. If that's still all you got, but no, I, I was just gonna say, I, I, uh, you know, as a white guy whose college nickname was Metal, I, yeah. I cannot pretend to be a big Pharrell fan. I know his name. The only song yeah. I'm sure he's ever done is Happy, which I think is uh, you <laughs> know, the, the most the most played song from that two year stretch at least. Yeah. Um, but, but again, I appreciated this learning more about his background and his, his involvement. Um, but did, did, did any, uh, Al, did you find anything when you finally read the article that you shared when you did read it, did, was, was there anything that, that he said or presented that you kind of didn't, didn't agree with, didn't think was accurate or or depicting of, of your mindset or anything like that?
1: Um, Honestly, there wasn't a whole, whole bunch um, that I didn't, agree with I mean and that kind of surprised me as well but um what I did agree with was when what stuck out to me I should say the most was when he said it's when he called um exact the two words spiritual well one word spiritual warfare it's two words sorry um when he talked about um how do I put it uh just like my concept and my take on it is like you know this whole in the box and in the way that a lot of us were taught how to be and, and whatnot it, it is a warfare it's um and i would like to take it further and see it's not just like a spiritual warfare it's a psychological warfare i mean because we're told so often you don't do this you don't do that you only do these things and you know it's so limiting right then when we do have that moment where it's like We're caught off guard, or something, you know, something happens that's super exciting or just really horrible. You know, what's the one of the go to things that we can do that our body does is we expel liquid from our eyes. And then you're told, like, oh, no, you don't do that. That's not what a man does. It's like, well, then what am I supposed to do here? You know, I'm a human being first and foremost before I'm like whatever gender label you want to put on me. So I need to be able to express these things to be fully who I am. And that's that really is the overall of what um, I got out of that more than like the clothing and stuff. And yes, I thought about the too, and I was like, well, first and foremost, they are like a style and fashion rag. So, you know, they're going to put that out there. Um, but I did connect also with that too, because myself as a man, you know, I have and as an artist because I do not a lot now, but I have done visual art and things like that. And my degree is in art, you know, but for myself and how I want to, Present myself to the world, I see that as a form of art as well. And, you know, whether it's like a uniform that I just pick, so to speak, for myself, where I wear like the same common things um, every day because it makes it easier for me, say, to think about other things, and the last thing I want to think about is what I'm going to put on in the morning, or um, it's just how I want to express myself at any given time, I started finding that the choices that I had whether it was just financially or just because I'm looking in these stores that are catered towards my gender were limiting, you know, they were limiting in color, they were limiting in just style and in all kinds of things. So for me, like I started with my socks, I literally until I could find um, ones anywhere and everywhere I went would dye my own socks, my favorite color, which is orange. And I just started out with that. I wear orange socks every single day. They're either orange or they have orange in them. And then I just started going out from there, you know, and deciding, okay, well, these are the type of pants I want to wear, and this is the type of shirt I want to wear. Now I'm starting to branch out even more because as I'm expanding and evolving in that, I'm finding that, well, I do like a lot more things. And you know what? I'm getting to a point at 46 years old, I don't really give a flying whatever about what someone else has to say about my clothing options. So that was you know an aside thing but it still stuck out to me because that's a part of the evolving process for myself you know how do i want to present myself how do i want to be seen and do i really care if i fit in some box or label or whatever that someone places upon me that says well as a black person and a man you should do this or just as a man in general you should do that or or whatever no i don't care about those things first and foremost i'm a human being so i hope cool. that answered your question
0: beautiful and uh you know we've all kind of talked about that new masculinity isn't so new um and it keeps being recycled and maybe spreading more and more but uh i think i plucked out of it how pharrell defined new masculinity and it was having the willingness to just be it's kind of what a number of you have been saying um just living let live, and live I mean, how fucking insecure must you be as a human being that because you are uncomfortable with doing something, somebody else shouldn't be able to do that. I don't accept that. That's unacceptable to me. So th- that seemed to be, you know, so Matt, what do you think about that? How did that feel to you?
3: Did you raise no, like, Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, it's so important to, like, feel comfortable for yourself and not worry about what other people have to say, what they think. Um, You know, like regardless you make know, like name callings or whatever, like you need to have that like for, first and foremost, self-love self-respect for yourself. And with that, we'll grow that willingness to show yourself to everybody without fear of judgment or anything along those lines. And, you know, that, that's what kind of like Pharrell did as soon as he came on the on the music scene, he came out looking totally different than everybody else in the rap, hip hop genre. And, and he's evolved from that, where everybody else is wearing baggy clothes, basketball jersey, this, that, whatever. He comes out in, like, skinny jeans and, like, fitted T-shirts and, you know, like a mesh trucker hat, which completely blew my mind back in the day. Like, this is, this is like, my music, right? So, like, like, who is this guy? Why is he dressed like that? It doesn't make sense. But the music was good, and everything he produced was good, and it, it, everybody just kind of, like, it just started to all meld together. So, if you look at hip-hop nowadays... It's there's a bunch of like guys that are like on that like spectrum of dressing like you know out of like left field something completely different than the standard issue hip hop kind of um, get up and go. Um, so like that's, it's so it's so important like, that just shows the, the self comfort and self um, like knowledge in self. That, like this is me. This is who I represent. And this is how I look, this is how I dress, this is how I feel. And that's awesome. And like I'm glad that like other people have kind of like joined onto that, whether they've done it for sheer like shock value to push their careers forward, this that whatever, or that's just genuinely who they are and that's how they feel best. And hopefully it is that, that that's how who they are, and that's how they feel best, and that's great for them. It's great for other people. Um within, like, the industry, like, the, the younger generation to see these people they might look up to or idolize, have posters on their wall, and it's not just that stereotypical, like, hard-ass male um, role model, like, action figure kind of guy, right? right.
0: So is, is traditional masculinity, is that more doing things to get other people to think you're masculine, whereas new masculinity is more about what you think about yourself?
4: Yeah. Nice. see Yeah. I like. That. I, I just
0: That just hit me tonight. That's a note I just wrote, like while hearing it from you. So, yeah. No, yeah,
4: right, definitely. We, fix just everything. Sounds
3: great. Right.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think of uh, positive psychology terms, there's extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation, right. and anything that's extrinsically motivated is recognition, wealth, fame, things like that those are over the long term, not sustainable and self-destructive. You know, they're, they're this rat race, this hedonic treadmill where you're constantly, you're, you're always going to be competing and there's no rest. And if you never get a chance to rest and recoup, you know, so if you have these external motivations and you're proving yourself as a man all the time or whatever those in life, anything that's externally motivated is not healthy in the long term. So any intrinsic motivations of you as an individual are always better than trying to pursue the you know the little the straight and narrow of any ideology you're following you know so any kind of any ideology that you're following that is has any kind of exclusivity and any kind of bar that you have to jump over all the time is exhausting emotionally mentally physically as a result and it's no wonder men are irritable you know if we have to meet that external yeah. extrin- extrinsic bar all the time so absolutely yeah. just from what research is showing us in positive psychology and you know, the the science of well-being now so
0: yeah and and boys and with, with your role in the mankind project i imagine you're seeing more men interacting with on a daily basis than than we all are um, so, are are you seeing, uh, you know, our guys, our regular guys, identifying with traditional masculinity, new masculinity? You you using any of these terms, or is it still kind of just the the fringe people?
2: I think you know, it's still. I think for we're in rarefied air when we're even having the conversation because most guys out there, it's just the grind, right? It's it's what am I doing to get by? And you know, the the first thing that popped out at me in the Ferrell article was he he saw something and he thought that would look good on me. And like, even that is a level of consciousness way beyond (laughs) where a lot of us are operating. Right. It's just like, okay, what's the uniform that I'm expected to wear here, whether that's, you know, whether that's a flyers t-shirt or whether that's, you know, my logo gear or whatever it is kind of, what am I, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to look like? And let me fit into that but that intrinsic motivation i think that was really on point anthony and and then add to it what al was saying about the kind of spiritual so now let's take intrinsic motivation gone awry which is addiction or intrinsic motivation gone pure which is like spirituality so it's like okay now i have intrinsic motivation and i can step outside of myself long enough to see oh is this is this kind of what i what i actually want i had a whole bunch of stuff Popping up the the price tag conversation too, like the other thing, it's GQ, it's commodity. This is all right. commodity, and just like the you know the Ellen DeGeneres and George H W Bush conversation, like class solidarity. It's like Pharrell Williams for real does not need to give a fuck about what anybody else thinks about, <laughs> it. like not one, yeah. yeah. No.
4: And I think in the article you mentioned that, you know, it's, he gets to use, he's he's lucky and he's glad he gets to use his influence that he has to inform the conversation, you know, just like Terry Crews has done, you know, with what he went through and through, you know, uh, what his experience has been with being abused and, uh, you know, his experience with toxic masculinity being used against him and him being taken advantage of. So it's, People, I'm, I'm all for people using their, you know, and even companies using their their privilege to get messages out. It's just that, yeah, I mean, it's. I think I'm just skeptical by nature, you know. But it's, hey, it's if they're making money and they're staying and staying in publication and wherever you can pick up a copy of it, physically, electronically, you know, um, if they're staying in publication and because of that, and they get to share a message that I think is beneficial, that I think we all are talking about here then go for it, you know? But it's, uh, I, I have a bad relationship with capitalism lately, so that's why skepticism is, uh, is
0: showing. <laughs> no, you, you mentioned Terry like, does Cruz.
2: Does have a good relationship with capitalism? Yeah. I'm just like
0: curious <laughs> sure, there's, there's, one, there's 1% that has a very good. <laughs> right. Right? But uh, you mentioned Terry Cruz and we're talking about Pharrell, and it just struck me now, is are, are more African Americans willing to break masculine stereotypes? Um, or is it just happen to be these two people?
1: I cannot say that definitively I have an answer for you on that. But what I can say is that um, at least fashion-wise, fashion-forward, in my experience, I've seen that um, the African-American community tends to be a little bit more um, on the forefront or the leading edge with those things, um, just especially in regards to, say, color. And color choices and wearing like bold patterns and, and things like that i mean that is inspiring to me and that is i i think a part of our culture in just in general um you see that in our churches um you go to church and, and you know for everybody the pastor to the choir to the little boy you know sitting next to his grandmama they got all the colors on, they're popping, everything's to the T, you know, it's just a thing that we do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but um, going back, uh oh, I forgot what I was gonna say, sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> going back to um, something that Anthony was saying. Oh, jeez. I'll come back, because I'll remember it later. <laughs>
0: okay. You know, I uh, I took some of the questions that Pharrell was asked, and mm. I thought I would ask some of you guys some of those questions. If if I ask, happen to ask you and pick you, and you just, yeah, you know, no idea, you don't just just pass. But, um, so Matt, what we, who were your role, who were your male role models growing
3: up? Mm. Uh, like male role models. Um, I don't like. I really couldn't tell you like a like a role model, like someone that like. I aspired to be like, there was always like, you know, like athletes that were favorite athletes, um, favorite music artists that you tried and dress to emulate their style. So on and so forth. As but like, as like a, like a role model, someone like, that I wanted to walk in their footsteps and be just like them. There really was nobody. But like, like I said, like there's people that you like, you liked their character and followed their music and so on and so forth like so you know I'm 36 now so like back it was like 90 like early 90s so we had like like Notorious B.I.G. and a Wu-Tang and like that's who like we wanted to be like obviously they're not role models because it's not something to like really model yourself after other than fashion wise like the way the way you talk uh language so on and so forth yeah. But like, yeah, just stuff like that. So, you know, you go out and they get your mom to buy you, like, the baggiest of baggiest clothes mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And so you try to emulate this look and emulate this character that they have given the world. And everybody just wants to be there. It kind of ends up being, like you know, like cookie cutter because every other kid your age yeah. is in the same boat who <laughs> wants to be these people. Right. You so, You
0: hang with a crowd that has the same role models and you're all emulating and... <laughs>
3: Seems like but at the end of the day, like, you know, like, these like, other friends might have, like, you know, positive figures in their lives that they actually want to be, like, whoever, right? And, like, you know, what I dress this way and I hang out with my buddies this way, and mm-hmm. but, like, I actually have something else that's bigger than this that I want to follow those footsteps. I, I really didn't have that. Okay. I just kind of, you know, like, went along with my friends. We did, you know, hood rat shit with our friends and got into trouble, this, that, whatever, and had fun. But like, yeah, there was nothing like, you know, like solid, like role model. Like, I just want to be like that guy when I'm older and that's okay. Like, cause now I want, I want, I can be that role model for my kids and maybe other people's kids to see me and who I am, where I'm going.
0: And did, did anyone else that growing up, did, did you, any of you consciously have a role model that was, uh, yeah, Al, go.
1: Yeah. my big brother from big brothers oh. and big sisters. Um, I actually talked to him as recently as two years ago. So, um, and I met him when I was like eight years old. Um, he was definitely my role model. And it wasn't because he was like super smart or intellectual or anything like that, it was just because he spent time with me and he was always real with me. I mean, no, I never saw him cry, but I did see him, you know, get sad and be upset. I saw like a pretty good range of like his emotions and just how he handled things. You know, I he had a girlfriend at the time where I knew him and everything. And I got to witness some, you know, uh, of them just being together and, and being, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend and all that. And, but it was it's mainly because he took time and talked to me. and He was real with me. And I'd ask him a question and he'd answer me honestly. You know, and he never said to me, oh, don't tell your mom I said this. No, he just said, like, listen, this is what happens and blah, 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 whatever. And that's just how that him impressed me enough that when I have my own sons, I literally just like, okay, I'm going to lay it out and this is going to be real. This is life and this is how it happens. Of course, every year it was age appropriate as what they could handle, but I, I didn't hide things from them and I didn't lie to them. And um, they appreciate it too. But I have to say, I got that from him, my
0: brother. Cool. Boys and Anthony, any role models for you growing up?
1: Yeah, uh, for me, it
4: was not to be too blunt, but it was any male adult that didn't treat me like crap. I mean, you know, I know that sounds like any port in a storm, but I mean, there were a few in particular. There was, uh, you know, a high school English teacher. Shout out to Mr. Scribonia. Who was, you know, basically who supported my, you know, when my father was saying that my artistic side was basically evidence that I was, you know, a homo and that's the worst thing you could be for a macho Italian dad right off the boat from Italy. So, you know, uh, there was a father figure there for in Mr. Spirbonia who taught me that not only was my talent, you know, uh, totally normal. It was, it was a good thing and I should pursue it, you know, and then there was the high school principal who believed in me. There were, you know, guidance counselors. So it was men who showed me sympathy, empathy, Uh, you know, uh, didn't raise their hand to me and just treat me by default as a piece of crap. So, I mean, it was, it was a low bar, but they raised the bar, you know, so I came to them with no expectations of adult men and authority figures and father figures and, but then they took that and raised it and raised me effectively. So it was, you know, there was the examples of, you know, that just taught me that, you know, I, sometimes people think I have a sort of a disdain for family and for blood because I had not really growing up. I had no family connections. My parents didn't really fuse those into me or my siblings, but it's just fused. It just, Really solidified for me that you need to make your own family, your your own friends and family, you know, your your friends and your father figures. You can have multiple father figures, and they become your family along with your friends, and you build that on your own, you find that, you create that, uh, just like your own meaning in life. So, yeah, that's uh, that's really it, it for me.
2: Cool.
0: And uh, Boyson, were you in a men's group at age eight, or what well, was it for
2: you? No, I'm I'm here to keep it real with y'all. I. I Yeah, I can list the teachers and Mr. Hoost, Mr. Hickhouse, Mr. MacArthur, like, yeah, all good dudes, but no, fuck that. I was into being as opaque and as hidden as I could possibly be. So, like, the role models for me ended up being, like, some of the, like, most typical, stereotypical males of the day, like Christian Slater fucking Don Johnson on Miami vice. You know, when I was real little Rick Schroeder, like these characters, it was like, Oh, they've got it all together. They're rich. They're good looking. They don't have anything to worry about. I want to be like that. I'm going to emulate that so that I don't feel pain so that I don't experience the existential like terror that I constantly feel right now. Right. So I'm going to pretend to be that. And I think, and you know, there, but for the grace of God, right. I kind of got out of that because it hurt enough. Um, but still that's where I, you know, when I'm, when I'm unconscious, that's where I slip back to is I want to put the mask back on. I don't, I don't want to be real. I don't want to be authentic. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to take risks around this stuff.
0: Like that's, yeah. Cool. Thanks. Uh, um, Let's, let's, uh, the Farrell interview, the interview with Farrell went, went into some politics and I kind of, I already know where we all are, but I'll, I'll go there anyway. Cause this is a kind of different take on it. So he, he, uh, he said he wished the synonym for American was humane and that it's currently not. So what do you wish the synonym for American was and what do you think it currently is? Anyone want to start with that?
2: Third rail, that is a third rail right there. (laughs) I think
4: synonym for American is fearful, you know, a a scared naked ape. I don't know what it is, scared naked primate. I I don't know. It's yeah, we're just too wrapped up in our fear and our we're clinging to the fake external certainty of
0: ideology,
4: and, and. No now, did, more, no bigger example
0: than our president. Right. So, did you do you believe this is? Have you always felt this way, or is this recently? Like a, when you were a kid, did you think American men fearful in being an ape?
4: I mean, when I was a kid, I I liked Ronald Reagan just because he was on TV and he was an actor, and I didn't know any better, you know. So I mean, and you know, they had the puppets of all the politicians, and I thought they were funny, you know. <laughs> like that. So, you know, but I know I think I've evolved more recently into just i don't know about you guys but i'm just getting like i kind of didn't part of me didn't want to come on tonight because oh my god here we go we got to defend masculine defend real men feel again we have to defend mm. a fluid you know up upbeat positive form of masculinity that can be whatever you want it to be here we go we got to fight this fight but it's so important that all of us here do this and people who feel like and men like uh, who feel like us are and i feel like we're fighting this fight and just you know to paraphrase to paraphrase martin luther king you know the arc of history tends towards justice but it takes a long time because mm-hmm. there's so many people full of fear there's so many men full of fear and that's why masculinity is changing slowly but surely and broadening it's just you know this it's so slow but i mean it's i i came on tonight because we have to keep fighting this fight. And, you know, but I mean it's but having a president like we do, I mean, who's just reinforcing these the stereotype of like the big brash loud scary guy who's like, you know, Mr. Tough guy.
0: So what what do you wish the synonym was but besides Presidential funny puppets or something like that.
4: <laughs> uh, yes, please keep me focused. Uh, what I wish the synonym is Cinnamon. Synonym. Man, I mean, I'm having a hard time talking. About it.
0: it can be cinnamon.
4: <laughs> I wish. I wish it was just, you know, really free. I don't
0: think we're free. I think we need to be really free. Cool. We're fake free right now.
1: Right.
0: And and Matt, I wonder if you, from from looking down on your at your southern border. Um, what what do you see that American means today?
3: Oh man, like like looking from like you know the outside in down there, like I I can see that it's like some some kind of a mess. And but whenever I go there, like I meet like the best people. Mm-hmm. I think when we when we initially talked, like whenever you come to Canada, it's like it's like meeting the nicest American ever. Yeah, but yeah, like I a, yeah. I, but like actually, whenever whenever I go down there, like everybody's like super nice to me when I'm there. Like you know they're courteous, respectful, and like everybody says everybody's all grumpy and stuff down here. But it's really not like that. So like you know people you know, there's tough times. There's you know poverty, um, especially like in like you know the bigger cities and stuff like that. But like everybody to me seems like super chill, super cool, very friendly and open, willing to like share more than. I would expect like, you know, share things, um, sh- exchange, but you still said it's a mess.
0: So where's but the mess come in then?
3: That mess, I guess like you know, y- y'all are good at like putting that mess behind you and like putting on like a happy face for the outside world to see. And when, you know, people go home to wherever they go on the home to, if they have a home is a different scenario. And that's something they have to deal with. Um, you know, whether they're going to have, like, food or be able to pay rent, um, if they're going to have a job, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, like, as, like, a country, in general, as a whole, the people that I've come in contact with are very loving, nurturing people. And I guess that's kind of, you know, what the foundation was kind of built on, like, that kind of people. But the people higher than them have kind of, like, you know, cast this shadow upon them where they're constantly trying – trying to dodge this shadow, get into the sunlight, and, and, like, have, like, a good life, and it's, like, a constant struggle for you guys down there, like, I, I see it, depending on, you know, where you're from, like, um, what your, uh, racial background is, so on and so forth, but, yeah, like, especially that guy that's in charge of your country is a whole... Other scenario, um, I don't know. I don't know how he's still there. I don't know how. I don't know how American politics works. But I guess yeah. you just can't like overthrow people by force. Doesn't work <laughs> that way anymore, I guess. But uh, yeah, you know, like you guys do with what you guys have, the best you guys can. And I think as a country, you guys do a really good job at doing that. Um, with like you know, like I said, like the poverty, unemployment rates. Um, just like a you know, complete city is that like barely exists other than like the people that are stuck there essentially. You go down to through Detroit and like, it looks like, you know, somewhere in the Middle East. And, but still you'll meet people there and they're friendly and upbeat and willing to help you and stuff like that. And it's not like, you know, you expect something completely different. When you go through a place like that, that's so beat down, wore out, and been through so much, but to find like these people that are like living their lives to the fullest they possibly can with what they have, that's 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 pretty spectacular. And you know, the, like to me, like that, the synonym for American should be just should be love, and everybody should just love one another, like. Love love thy neighbor <laughs> and do on to others as you want done on to yourself and like that's you know like kind of like the basis of everything and I think aside from politics and um all these other things it's it's in there in everybody, and maybe one day you know that that whole all the ingredients will come together and everybody will be able to like. Live harmoniously and not have to deal with all the other bullshit that's involved in it. Cool. Thanks. Uh, Boysen, you want to touch the
0: third rail?
2: <laughs> no, I, I want Al to go first. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I would say for me that we're messy. We're definitely messy. Um, and that perspective for me comes from i living in another totally different country for two years. Um, I lived in Japan for two years. And that's, um, I, and I'm much gratitude. I mean, I was in the military and that's how I was able to do that because I honestly don't think I would have been able to do that any other way um, at that time. But yeah, we're just messy. We got so much going on and so much that we don't want to deal with that should be dealt with because we just people are afraid to one just own their own shit and then two i mean sometimes i'm this way more so not now but we don't we just want to put things off and and and, and not take responsibility for it and just say you know what just just let that sit in the corner there, but then it starts to fester and smell and mold and rot, you know, and then by the time you go back to look at it, you're like, what the hell am I dealing with, you know? So, yeah, we're just way too messy. What I wish we were is, um, you know, truly free, you know, truly non-judgmental, just not judgmental and um, authentic. Um, so, There's a lot of people that way, you know, I can't say that everywhere is not. I mean, I've traveled this country, I've been in just about every state, whether it was with four wheels or with 18. And I've met a lot of different people all over the country from all kinds of backgrounds, you know. And so that keeps me going with faith in this country to say, you know what, we're not all bad people. (laughs) We're not all, you know, the ignorant blowhards that we see on the squawky box, you know, um, but yeah, just authentic and free is what I wish it was cool. as opposed to messy.
0: Thanks.
2: Boys in Nice. Well, that, thank you, Al. That was great. Um, I think we're asleep is what I think. I, I think that, uh, you know, I, That's that same avoidance. So, you know, I'll take full ownership of that. The, the amount of reality that I want to like put away and Al was talking about over in the corner, put it, put it away down there. Um, I wish that synonymous with America was, was awake, awake to reality, awake to, you know, looking at what's actually, what's, what's real, what's happening. And, and, you know, Good news is I think that there are a lot of us who are struggling waking up. And I think the people that I, I think there are lots of people that, you know, might regard me as their enemy who it's the same struggle. They're struggling to wake up. And, and uh, Michael Kimmel talks about aggrieved entitlement. Like we, we've lived with such a sense of superiority and such a sense of entitlement for so long that, that the, the threats to that, the threats to our certainty, the threats to all of these things have are, you know, shaking all of us into trying to wake up. Um, and yeah, we're beautiful. We are beautiful, kind, loving people all over this country and all from all, all of our backgrounds as individuals, you know, it's the, the old trape about Religion, love, I love Jesus. His followers are just a pain in the ass, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> like that that kind of thing. So, yeah. Put their mildly voice in.
0: <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. That's great. I have not heard that one.
2: Amer- like that. Americans are friendly.
4: I mean, and we, we are friendly. We are open. We are warm. We're just buried under this gang mentality of division right now that mm-hmm. is just has this upswell. But it's going to swing back. And it's conversations and groups like this, you know, like Real Men Feel and Mankind Project that are going to swing swing it back. But it's just we have to fight the good fight, like I said earlier, which is to keep pushing those of us
0: who are awake, you know. And you said that, and Anthony, what you said earlier about, you, oh, I didn't want to come on the show and I have to fight. And um, does being here, just talking like this um, among like-minded men feel like a fight?
4: No. Oh I mean this this is a relief.
0: Okay. This is a relief
4: but it's just it's just what I what I meant by that was it was it's you know I guess maybe because you and I experienced like a lot of the troll attacks when when I got into the Big mm-hmm. town stuff a little while ago and it's just it it doesn't make me angry it just makes me sad and and exhausted to mm-hmm. think about the people who are just clinging to the ideology of this of this tr- old-fashioned, antiquated, tough guy, machismo, walking this thin little tightrope of machismo and how how miserable and narrow and small their lives are. And it makes me sad, angry, depressed, exhausted, like all at once. And it's just like talking to you guys is catharsis and it refuels me. But it's like I get exhausted thinking about repercussions and reactions of like the trolls you know and I guess you can't think like that but it's like that's why I feel like no I have to go on I have to talk to all of you guys uh, all of you like minded kindred spirits because otherwise you know it's just I'm just going to get broken down so that, that's what that just to clear up what I was saying but I mean okay, yeah it's gotcha. to talk to you guys is not exhausting it's, re, <laughs> it's re, re-energizing but okay. you know, it, just the thought of like people trolls reacting and wading into that again I think is I think I might have post-traumatic stress syndrome from
0: that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And so do you other guys, do you feel like that, that by your willingness to to have a new masculinity, to to redefine, to ignore the traditions that don't feel good, does, does that feel like you're in a fight with other men over that or society? Does that resonate? Yeah, Al, does?
1: Yeah, well – I have to, well, it's not that I have to, I'm kind of like, I feel like I step into the fray almost every day when I go to work. Um, I work in a very male-dominated industry, or, you know, technically it's retail, but it's, you know, cars (laughs) and luxury vehicles. And so, and I work in the parts department, which is right next to service, which is, (laughs) mostly men that are full of bravado and machismo and and all that stuff. And I have a unique role in what I do because I get to walk around all parts of that dealership and I just watch sometimes. And I'm just amazed. Like, I interact with just about everybody. And some of these guys are some of the kindest, you know, most gentlest, awesome men that you could meet, you know. But then I see that at times they have to put on these masks, you know, to deal with their, their contemporaries. And, you know, I just, it, it amazes me and boggles my mind all at the same time, you know, and I don't ever put on a mask at work. I am who I am, period. And, you know, when they're talking about their families and spouses and all that stuff and you know, that are opposite gender, I'm talking about whoever it is I'm dating at the time, you know, um, and it's typically someone of the same gender, because <laughs> that's what my proclivity is, but, you know, and I don't bat an eye, I don't shy away from it, I don't back down, you know, even in the face of what might be, oh, well, that's not a man, but I can feel, even though they don't come out, out and say it to me, I can feel that they respect me, Because I stand my ground and I say, This is who I am. You accept me or you don't. I'm going to do my job no matter what. And I'm going to, you know, I hope that you do the same. And we can find common ground in what we do together and still be men, regardless of what your ideal is or my ideal is. We're just who we are, human beings. And that's the way I try to approach everybody in that regard. So I said, I think I thought about this a lot, and I was like, wow, this environment, if I let it, it, could be so toxic to me. You know, I could literally not enjoy my job. I could literally dread and hate coming to work. But I don't. I actually love going to work, and I actually love interacting with a lot of my coworkers every single day, regardless of what my judgments may be about many of them.
0: Cool. So, so Matt, I I know that you guys have similar
3: jobs. Is that why that you are
0: uh,
1: reacting? Sounds like it. Yeah. It
3: sounds like it. Sounds like yeah, yeah. Like I'm in, I'm in parts in a car dealership and um, surrounded by mostly men all day, every day. But I guess luckily enough, the tides have like you know started to shift. Like the older guys are on their way out, and it's a bunch of younger guys in as technicians coming up that. Don't have that same macho mentality as the older guys may have had back in the days where it was, you know, man strong, man fixed car. And like a woman comes in, they try to like take her for everything because she doesn't know any better. Um, We're also lucky that we have female service advisors, which um, I know definitely helps the, the, the female client base when they come in not to feel that kind of like. Pressure they might have had before with male advisors, where like they may talk down to them, uh, trying to explain stuff to them. The women are more open and free, and be able to communicate better, more effectively, but be more effective communicators. And in that, we kind of have like a good a good mix of like everything going on in the dealership um, with between like male, female, um, different cultures, religions. So absorber, it's kind of like a real melting pot kind of, kind of deal going on. We have, which is nice. So everybody kind of gets along and, um, everybody is pretty open and honest. It's like, I've been there for 10 years now and it's kind of been like, you know, like, they see them more than my family most of the time. Right. So like you got to learn to get along with these people that you're with eight, 10, 12 hours a day sometimes. And, uh, yeah, so, like I said, like, the younger kids that are coming up, bring a little bit of light with them, with this, you know, the, the non-toxic masculinity that the older guys may have had. There's a couple still lingering around that are, you know, like, gripped on tight on that macho man mentality, and, you know what, like, okay. But at the end of the day, they're not, like, bad people, but, you know, they're not the warmest <laughs> a lot of the time, but if you can, if you, if you know how to interact with them, you can get by. Cool. And they'll respect you and you can have a level of respect for them at the same time.
0: Cool. Awesome. Yeah. The, I, I, I don't feel like I'm in any sort of fight. I've just like agreed to be open, and authentic as Al was saying. And it just, it's a relief to just be yourself and not care what anyone else thinks. But the only times I do feel like it's time to fight, is like experiences that Anthony referred to when, when expre- expressing my view, being open, being vulnerable, makes someone else come back at me and start with the name calling and, and coming at me wanting to pick a fight. And often uh, when I was editing at the good man project, it was a uh, good men project. It was the, you know, I was called the feminazi, like, you know, weekly. And um, Anthony, you were called that and a thousand things worse. But so, um, you know, have we been duped? Have we all been tricked by the evil feminine to to soften up, to have emotions? Um boys, I hope this is kind of what you refer to.
2: <laughs> we love it. That's awesome. Have we all been duped? What's the story? That's that's the question that, that always comes up for me around this is like, what's the story we tell about masculinity? What's the story about we tell about what it means to be a man and what do we believe culturally? You know, and what's the worst thing that could happen beyond there, beyond here, there be dragons, right? That's the old fear. And you're, Matt, talking about some of the older guys, like that's who I grew up with, right? Those are, those are all the guys that I grew up with where I don't know what the existential threat, what they think is going to happen if they go outside those lines, right? But troll under the bridge, like, you know, lightning from God, like whatever is going to happen. But I think that the culture is telling a new story these days about masculinity that is much more inclusive and much more equitable and much more healthy and, and gives, starts giving us back as men access to a lot of the things we we're told we're not supposed to have. And I, I think that that's, that's great. And I don't see that as, I, yeah, Anthony. It's the humanization. You know, it's not, it's not feminization. It's like, I can fucking be human and claim all that now. And so can you. And I, let's tell that story and, until the, until the opposite of that becomes like, wait, you still believe that? Like, why? What's that getting you?
0: Yeah. I don't know what happened to close the box of Matt. Cause, Way back, like, you know, Greek warriors and the 300 and all these, you know, strongest, powerful, most masculine men on the planet would openly weep and grieve and feel sorrow and miss their wives and and mourn the loss of their brothers. And
2: wrestle naked. And, (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) And with anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. So, So yeah, the notion of a well-rounded man was very different then.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, why can't we borrow aspects from all different types and strengths and borrow from all the strengths of being human whether you're male or female I mean I've had a problem for a long time with how we've just taken and run with uh, concepts of masculine and feminine sure I think you know there are there is something biological to say that maybe women are you know, just from their childbearing capabilities, maybe, sure, they have a biological connection to nurturing, but that doesn't, one thing doesn't exclude the other, you know, men can be nurturing too, you don't have to have a uterus and ovaries, you know, just to be nurturing and be kind, so it's, and the funny thing is, it's, the the feminists are not reinforcing male stereotypes. It's other men are policing other men with the macho police are everywhere. You know, so they're the ones and a lot of the problems that men have are self-inflicted by other men. So in, in within our, our sex. So it's that whole scapegoating of, you know, oh, it's women in whatever way feminists. It's just. It's ridiculous. It's hot wash. So yeah, and I, I, I just wish that we would recognize that that we're shooting ourselves in the foot. But
1: you know. yeah, we'll so, get it eventually. I really appreciate what you just said, Anthony. But I'm going to have to disagree with some of that because I have found that, at least in my experience, it's it's more women that are saying, be a man, act like a man. This is what a man does, blah, 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 you know, and, and putting out those messages. And then the men pick it up or, you know, they're just reinforcing or <coughs> women are reinforcing what men are saying. That's what's been in my experience. Well, a man does this, a man does the other, you know, that's a man's work and, and things like that. It was women that were the key people that were saying those things to me in my life and what I've seen and that's the hardest thing sometimes for that was for me to swallow because it's like then i hear out of their mouths the well men are bad in these ways but you just told me i needed to be this way and now you're saying that it's bad to be that way so what is it that you really want you know i mean yeah i don't get it
4: Personal experience, I mean, for my personal experience, it was the opposite. So, I mean, yeah, it depends on context of your culture, community, you know, and your environment. So, yeah, I mean, I I know that there's women out there who are beating the drum of, you know, traditional machismo masculinity for sure. I mean, that's, but it's not just women, you know,
1: it's. it's, Oh, that I do agree
2: with. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: (laughs) totally, yeah,
2: I agree with you. And so then just see it. So let's like separate men and women out of that completely and, and say that there is a cult- cultural system in place that does this, right, mm-hmm. that reinforces so that we don't have to lay blame on any group of people. We just have to see like, wow, look how well this fucking computer is programmed to produce this outcome. And what do we need to do to change that programming to produce different outcomes?
4: Yeah. Yeah. And and the programming though, if if that's if society is the computer, you know, it's human subconscious just habit. It's it's when we just blindly go about life that we perpetuate the bad programming. So human beings that's perpetuate true. the bad programming. So if, if if that but when we're living subconsciously. And perpetuating the stereotypes and the ideologies that are sick. Yeah, I mean we're the transmitters and we're the ones that keep the wheels grinding and that we get ground under. So it's yes, it's it's a systemic thing for sure. And the way we change the system is for the programs to wake up and change their programming. So and we're all the programs, just like in Tron. I don't know if everybody remembers Tron, but you know, just we're all the programs and we need to change the programming. And can we? We are, yes, we are, but
1: most definitely. Yeah.
4: Cool. People want to people want to protect the matrix, but we have to wake them up. So.
0: Cool. You know, there was um one last thing to bring this just back to the to the GQ article and and the entire magazine's about new masculinity. So if you can find it, check it out. And online, there are more articles. And there's a really interesting. There's a quiz. There's a survey, rather oh. not a quiz. There's a survey of over a thousand Americans asking about different things about masculinity. It's kind of interesting to read, and uh, I'll put a link to that in the uh, notes about this this show. But the editor, Will Welch, said the uh, the new masculinity issue is an exploration of the ways that traditional notions of masculinity are being challenged, overturned, and evolved. And all of you guys are part of that challenging, overturning, and evolving. And I, I, speaking for myself, there was definitely a time in my life that I was afraid of anything I was doing, being challenged, overturned or evolving. So I can really see it on both sides. And, you know, it, um, uh, I don't know, fight to, for me, fight feels like it's just stronger than my experience is of it. But, uh, cause it's almost like if you, if you go into the fight, then now it's a fight and you make kind of what you're fighting over becomes stronger. But I, I don't know. So, uh, let, I hope that morphs for you. Anyone that's feeling like it is a fight to just to be themselves and go, they hope that that eases that that's, that's what I, I hope, man, maybe I want the American sentiment to be ease, but, um, I want to thank you all for coming. Thank you all for sharing from yourselves. And I want to give everyone a chance. If there's anything you want to say to wrap up, uh, you know, I, I won't call it a final thought because you'll have many more thoughts, but the, the final thought you'll share for this program Who wants to jump in. Oh, hold on. All right, Matt, go ahead.
3: Uh, oh, yeah, just I just want to say thanks for having this panel discussion to go over all these, you know, like things that are involved in becoming, you know, whole human beings. And I just want you know, let everybody know, just, just be yourself. Be happy with yourself. And if you're happy with yourself, everybody else is going to be happy with you. And if they're not happy with you, they're not happy with themselves. So, you know, just li- live your life the way you see it fit and enjoy it.
0: Awesome. Now, now that fits with every Canadian I've ever met. That, that feels like a national <laughs> motto to me. Awesome. Thank you. Al, you feeling anything?
1: Yeah. Um. If I, uh, I guess a, a closing thought. Yeah. I I have to just say ditto on <laughs> <And> everything <laughs> Matt, Matt just said. I, I I can't really, I can't go better than that. Um, yeah, thanks for that, brother. And I agree. Yes, sir. Cool.
0: Anthony?
4: I think I'm just going to go back to what and said and just say, leave it and wake up. You know, the sleeper must awaken, as they say in one of my favorite novels, Dune. Um, science fiction can te- teach us a lot, and I think it's underrated, especially the classics. But, you know, what he said in that novel, one of the characters, you know, the sleeper must awaken. and That's exactly what and said, and that's Leave it with that.
0: Wake up. All right. Now, boys, and you can't close with that.
2: Yeah. Every day. Every day. Keep waking up. Gabor Mate, look him up. Uh, uh, In his most recent book talking about addiction, he says that the, the human genetic code, the DNA, is nowhere near complicated enough to program the richness of who we are. So look to culture. Because it's the interaction between the environment and our DNA that creates all that we are. So my thing is like, what's your story about masculinity, femininity? What's your story about freedom, not freedom? What's your story? And yeah, and love is a verb, right? You know, feeling, it's an action. So
0: yeah, love. Cool, coolness. Uh, um from the bottom of my heart i really appreciate all of you guys what what i see you doing in your in your lives with your friends with your family your willingness to come come out here share yourselves be open be authentic your vulnerability um hmm it's my deepest hope that you all are role models to people that you never meet right that that mm-hmm. your words your actions just carry on and and the ripple effect of you guys being you guys is just never ending So thanks for being here. Uh, Everyone, thanks for listening or watching. uh, Whatever your sense of choice when dealing with Real Men Feel, wherever you're finding us, please give a share, a like, subscribe, share it to someone else, put them in contact. Uh, Write to me, tell us your story, come be a guest, recommend someone. But uh, overall, be good to yourself. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at TheAndyGrant.com. Until next time, visit RealMenFeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play,
3: or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.